It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. It's time. It's time. Time for the hard-hitting analysis you won't find anywhere else. Here's former Super Bowl winning scout Brian Broaddus and Bobby Belt. 10-5 victory! Cowboys win! This is Love of the Star. Star. Welcome to the Love the Star podcast. I'm Bobby Belt, Dallas Cowboys insider for 105 Through the Fan in Dallas. Joined as always by former Super Bowl winning NFL scout Brian Broaddus. He is now the co-host of the G-Bag Nation 2 to 7 p.m. Central Monday through Friday on 105 Through the Fan in Dallas. He's also the pre and post game co-host on the Dallas Cowboys radio network. He is the co-host of the draft show. You can find him anywhere and everywhere in the Cowboys podcasting blogosphere everywhere else. I don't know that there is a a harder working man in the Dallas Cowboys coverage landscape than one Brian Broaddus. Brian, how you doing? Doing well, Robert. Thank you very much for all the kind words. Um, yeah, but getting ready to take a week's vacation. <laughs> much deserved. We're actually going to knock out two tonight. So when knock you guys notice us in yeah. the same clothes on the next episode, sure. don't think we just didn't change or we happen yeah. to wear the same things again. We're just knocking out two tonight and getting sure. some stuff out of the way. Mike Zimmer press conference, Brian brought us. It was this week. Uh, the Cowboys introduced him along with Mike McCarthy. Lot to like there. We'll dive into to some of what Mike had to say and and some of the takeaways that we've had. First, I want to I want to cover some of the hires that were made on Friday. Uh, the Cowboys filled three of their uh, assistant coaching positions on the defensive side, and uh, I, I think one of these names was a a slam dunk. You knew this was coming. You you had referenced him before, Paul Gunther, uh, mm-hmm. a guy who had spent a number of years on staff with Mike Zimmer in Cincinnati. Uh, Zim had brought him to Minnesota as an assistant. Uh, in 21 when he had lost his job as the Raiders defensive coordinator. Uh, But Paul Gunther brought on to be the run game coordinator. Uh, And and again, one that uh, you had uh, called early on, but a good hire. You like that one? Yeah. You know, Mike is, uh, he was going to try and he, he, he told me that he wanted to meet with the staff first Mm -hmm. and then kind of go through who was still here and then who had opportunity potentially elsewhere. So once he kind of figured that out, then he navigated the positions that he'll probably need. Um, you know, uh, Gunther is a – he's like a, a linebacker coach, I think, by trade. Oh, um, a, a ton a ton of experience uh, yeah. having coached. He's coached defensive backs, linebackers, and defensive line. Yeah, he's, he's – yeah, I think that, you know, everywhere that he's had opportunity, he's he's done pretty well. Um you know, and my and Mike wanted to bring Mike wanted to potentially bring somebody along that he felt comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we had an opportunity to visit with. You know, we're going to get into Greg Ellis. You know, yes. we we met with Greg Ellis in uh in Las Vegas on Radio Row, and we even talked to him about it. And you know, in in and knowing things about Greg, Greg had worked with Mike. Mike had brought him in at Cincinnati. Mike had brought him in at Minnesota. Mike has kind of always liked Greg Ellis. A great and, deal, you know, Greg yeah, Ellis, absolutely. Yeah, he was waiting for that opportunity. And, you know, he really couldn't say anything to us about it. I mean, he he was just he was hopeful, like, you know, like probably some other guys that uh that Mike was going to get the position and then he could, you know, maybe slide in. But 
him as an assistant uh, defensive line coach, I'm yeah, kind of. He could have gone a couple of different ways too. He could have gone maybe a Jim Jeffcoat, uh, you know, from back in the day. Leon Lett, I know, got that. You know, Leon Lett's uh, was let go by you know Mike McCarthy. I don't right. know if he'd want to do that, that kind of thing. But you know, the the for him to for him to kind of get a couple of the guys that he really, really, really wanted, I think says a, a lot about the that the Cowboys, you know, willingness to. Um, allow him to do that. I think it's important that coaches have the guys that are there to teach the scheme, and these two guys can teach the scheme. Yeah, you mentioned uh, Greg Ellis there, so we'll just shift to him next on, on the hire because he was brought in as the assistant defensive line coach. We'll talk about the defensive line coach here in just a sec. Uh, but, uh, you know, Greg Ellis, he was a uh, a guy who that, – that was the first thing that caused my antenna to go up and made me start asking questions about Mike Zimmer was in December. I heard Greg Ellis do an interview with uh, DallasCowboys.com. He was sitting with Nate Newton, Chris Arnold, a bunch of different individuals um, for the Cowboys crosstalk that airs on 105 through the fan. And Greg Ellis had mentioned – yeah, you know, Mike Zimmer would like to get back into coaching. I sure. know. I, yeah. I know that Zim would like to be back at the NFL level. He's looking to get back in, yada, yada, yada. And so it made me start asking around. I was like, hey, if, if Quinn were to 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 take a job this offseason, do you think Zimmer would would be a guy that might get a look? And I got a lot of, yeah, don't discount that yeah. one. So Greg Ellis actually, good relationship there uh with Mike Zimmer. And you know, we'll talk about this in a sec for the questions that exist of like, is he too hard on the modern player? Is he too difficult on the modern player? It's going to be good to have Greg Ellis here as an example of a guy who was a high top 10 pick and really loved Mike Zimmer and loved what Mike Zimmer brought out of him. And uh, one of the all time great guys too, Greg Ellis, just a, yeah. a fantastic individual. Yeah, I think you bring up a great point, Bobby. There's going to be times where Mike Zimmer is all over these players. Mm -hmm. And what Greg Ellis can do is he can put his arm around a guy and say, Hey, listen, I've been, trust there. me. I've been through this. You know, he he's hard on everybody, you know, trust him. He'll help you with your career. He'll help you get to where you want to be, mm -hmm. you know, just fight through this, you know, that you gotta, sometimes the old saying, you gotta have good cop, bad cop guys. Well, Greg Ellis could be a very much a, a good cop guy in this situation that we're talking about. The final hire that we got on Friday was uh, Jeff Scania, the defensive yeah. line coach who had been in Washington for the last several years. I've got a little conspiracy theory, Brian. Oh, and I know you love my conspiracy theories or, or I, not I necessarily do. conspiracy. Theory. I, I think that when you go through the defensive coordinator interview process, I'm sure that one of the things that Jones asks ask them are, hey, who do you have in mind for, for some coaches? Who are some guys? I, I my sense is probably that when they sat down with Ron Rivera and he gave them some coaches that he'd probably talk yeah. to, I'm sure because there's not an obvious connection for Jeff Scania to Paul Gunther no. or Mike Zimmer. Not so it makes all. me think maybe Ron Rivera in the interview gave them a bit of an idea and they go ahead and get Jeff Scania, who uh, is out of a job after the transition uh, to sure. Dan Quinn's staff, um, but has been with the Washington football team for several years, was with the 49ers as the defensive line coach for a few years before that, and uh, a guy who spent a lot of time in the league, a, a 16, 17-year veteran uh, in the NFL, most prominently with the Rams. But what are your some of thoughts on the Scania hire and what you've heard? Yeah, I reached out to some folks that I know with the commanders, and I got a pretty good little thumbnail on, on Jeff. Uh, the first thing they said, he is a good guy, but he's intense, he's tough, he takes no excuses, understands the need to coach players individually to get the best from them. He doesn't like to be rebutted, uh, doesn't try to overcoach. Uh, he wants his guys to work as a team and a system to play off each other. He gets pissed when they think they could do their own thing. 
So that was kind of a little bit of a thumbnail of of uh, your new defensive line coach. Ooh, okay. So that's interesting to me, Brian. When, when I when I hear it's good stuff, but but when I hear that, when I when I hear gets pissed when guys try to do their own thing, need yeah. to to adapt to coaching. Right. I, I think there's a a certain elite pass rusher here who <laughs> that that'll be a good test for to 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 see. Had a good night at the Celebrity All Star. Thirty seven. Absolutely went nuts at the Celebrity All Star game tonight. But look, I mean, I think that. We see it at times with Demarcus Lawrence. Demarcus Lawrence reads things and kind of, you know, oh, will read. No, no, no. We'll, You're talking we'll, about Lawrence. No, 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 no. I'm not talking about Lawrence. But we'll see sometimes that Demarcus. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm just trying to give an example. Of Demarcus sure. reads, reacts, adapts. Sometimes breaks away from the initial plan because he's such a high IQ football player. He spots it and, and he pursues. Right. Micah Parsons, I think, at times has done that, and he has not seen it as well as Demarcus Lawrence has, and it has burned them at times. So this will be a good test in discipline, I think, for that sort of thing. But uh, it sounds like, you know, from what we know about these guys, Paul Gunther, Greg Ellis, just personally here, and then, you know, what you're hearing about Jeff Skinny, it sounds like, especially given how late in the game it is, that yeah. these are three pretty quality hires, you know, the, in mid-February for the Cowboys to make. Yeah, I, I think you're, and it's not a conspiracy theory. I think you're really on to something about, you know, when they, and that's give the Cowboys some credit for listening in the interview with Ron Rivera. Mm-hmm. You know, Ron Rivera probably had a guy, okay, who do you want to bring? Who do you want in case we lose a defense? You know what? And Ron Rivera might have even called Mike Zimmer or called Will McClay or called, you know, Stephen Jones and said, listen, you know, I really appreciate you guys interviewing me, but if you could hire this guy, it'll be worth your time, you know? Yeah, and, and another, another guy the Joneses are still close to is Jack Del Rio. Del Rio yeah. had coached with this guy for there four you years. Go. I, I you think go. you can find some of the connections You can here. always find connections. The Joneses are going to, they're going to kind of uh, line some things up if they can. They're always going to ask people questions about uh, either personnel scheme you know they're they're going to do their due diligence on those types of things now the cowboys historically uh you know in the last several years they've had passing game coordinators chris richard joe witt jr these are guys who have been passing game coordinators for them they have not i don't believe had a defensive run game coordinator in quite a long time they've got guys who specialize in it but they've never had a guy with that title gunther takes that title do you anticipate that Zimmer will still look for a passing game coordinator? Or do you think Zimmer's experience in the secondary, he'll say, I will sort of function as the passing game coordinator? Yeah, I think Mike's experience there. I think that there's a couple of things that are about to happen here. Al Harris is about to get really coached hard himself, you know, <laughs> and and Mike Zimmer is about to get back to coaching secondary again. You know, um, uh, there's a couple of different ways of looking at this. And it reminds me so much of, of uh, Nick Saban when he was at Alabama, mm-hmm. how he coached the secondary, you know, Bill Belichick, how he was always involved, uh, you know, in secondary play and stuff. So, you know, th- these are the guys that, you know, they feel comfortable doing that. And, you know, it's also another thing too with the Joneses, you know, if you, you start bringing in more guys, these staffs are already big enough. I mean, they had that big purge, it seemed like, with, uh, with you know, guys uh, last year. Yeah. So, you know, Jerry Steven, not interested in having a huge staff. You know, I think they've gotten Mike McCarthy to kind of agree to that. So I don't anticipate anybody else being added, you know, unless it kind of falls in their lap. I know some people are asking about Steve Wilkes. Um, I don't think so. I mean, I didn't hear it. I, I shouldn't say that. Sure. Watch, you know, watch it show up that Steve Wilkes is coming in to help out with something. But mm-hmm. I didn't get the feeling of talking to anybody that, that that was a possibility right now. 
Yeah, because like we say, when, when you have the expertise already at your defensive coordinator position, a guy who spent so much time with secondaries and and developing passing game concepts, I would imagine that's something Zimmer would probably want to kind of have his hands in and, and oversee that. Absolutely. So brings in a run game coordinator. It's funny. We talked to Dave Campo, former Dallas Cowboys head coach. We talked to him on 105 through the fan on, on Friday. And one of the things that he really said about Mike Zimmer was he said, look, I don't think you have to worry about toughness in the running game anymore. Like that run game is going to be better with the way that Zimmer coaches guys. And yeah. he says, look, Mike is not going to be their buddy. He's not going right. to be Dan Quinn. He's not going to put his arm around them and say, hey, you know, it's going to be all right. Mike's going to coach these guys tough. And yeah. you're you're going to quickly see who rises to the top, who can't handle it. Maybe they have to, you know, adjust and say, hey, we th- this is somebody who doesn't fit our culture anymore. Um, but Mike Zimmer did have the press conference this week, talked a little bit about that, said, I know I've got the reputation of being maybe a little bit of a jerk, he said. But I think if you talk to guys that I, I've spent a lot of time with, guys I've coached, they will give you the correct endorsement. And and the thing I love that he said here, and I think the thing that is absolutely critical, specifically for Micah Parsons when we talk about this, Brian, is Mike Zimmer saying, I think great players, players want to be coached hard. Yeah, they do. And, and, and I think that that's what rings true in this one. And so I, I think you'll get a lot of different answers about different guys on this defense and whether you want to build with them moving forward just based on how do they respond to the way that Mike Zimmer coaches them. Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right about that. What do you think? What did you think? What did you take away from the Mike Zimmer press conference? Anything that stood out to you? Anything that you you felt like he wanted to accomplish? Anything that he wanted to do? Uh, or, or was it just all very familiar? Like, oh, yep, that's the Zim yeah, I know. No, that's Mike. That's Mike. I, You know, when you listen to that, uh, you know, that's the kind of guy he is. Um, you know, and, and I had to be really, really careful because I have a relationship with him. Mm-hmm. And when you start to kind of, you don't want to cheerlead. You know, and I, I was a little bit worried about, you know, talking so much about Mike in a way of, hey, this is, you know, God, they got to hire this guy. If they don't hire this guy, it's going to be, you know, and I had to be really, really careful. I really sure. wanted him to get this job. And I, I've said something on 105.3, the fan, Bobby, and uh, heck, I don't even know if I said on the draft show. I might have said this morning with Vach Lombardi, who I was with. Um, maybe out to Vach. He does uh, great work. I can't remember what I say sometimes or who I say it with. <laughs> Um, this might be the hire that saves Mike McCarthy's job. Yeah. You know, this might be the one. This might be the one. This might be the guy that gets you over the hump in the playoff game. This might be the guy that's not going to leave attention to detail un, unlooked at, you know, or however you want to say it. He's going to, he's going to have that thing buttoned up. He's going to find out who he can rely on. He's going to put those guys in position to make plays. You know, Mike Zimmer's a guy, if you're not smart, if you bust, you make mistakes, he is not going to play you. Yeah. He's not. If you have communication problems, he's not going to play you. I don't care who you are. He His defense is about being sound, and it's about being technique-wise, everything buttoned up. And, you know, it's, it's left for no chance. You know, it's no chances left out there. So, um, He'll figure it out real fast, but I kind of feel like that this might have been something, you know, Gavin Dawson on our show asked me today, he goes, he goes, uh, do you want to see Mike McCarthy get fired? And I said, no, I don't want to see Mike McCarthy get fired because I'm a fan of, I'm a fan of Mike Zimmer, you know, I'm a fan of Greg Ellis, you know, rise and fall together. Yeah. That's, you know, and, and, and Mike knows that. That, but see, that's the great thing about Mike. He'll challenge. He'll take this challenge. 
you know, it's kind of like watching the the show. Remember the Titans, mm-hmm. you know, when you got the two coaches, one's handling the defense, yeah. one's handling the offense, and Coach you know, Boone, they, Coach they, Boone, and Coach yeah, Yost. They, yeah, exactly. You know, you you hey, you worry about your end. I'll worry about my end. You know, and I think Mike Zimmer he realizes he realizes the situation that not only Mike McCarthy's in, but this whole staff's in. You know, that's what he he realizes that and. You know, he realizes too that Jerry Jones is eighty-one years old. Mm-hmm. You know, let's—I don't mean to sound morbid, or but Jerry doesn't have that many more campaigns left. Yeah, look, I mean, Father Time's undefeated. That's just the undefeated. Truth. So, to me, uh, this was a a major hire, and I give Mike McCarthy some credit uh, for stepping up and allow it to happen. One more question here for you before we transition to uh, another topic, another segment. Um, you knowing Mike Zimmer, uh, like what years did you spend in Dallas, Brian? I was there from 99 through 2000 uh, 2005. So you you spent, I, I mean, yeah, essentially I, Zimmer's yeah, entire hate, run as coordinator. I have a love-hate relationship with Mike. It, which which you really get, do. You've got a great understanding of, of who he is as a coach, the type of yeah. players that, that he coaches. Yeah. I, I'm curious for you, because we yeah. talk about these things. You When Bill Parcells got here to Dallas. Yeah. No, uh, Bill Parcells would have never in a million years dreamed that Datwin and Dexter Coakley would have become Bill Parcells guys. And they did never. And, and never. I'm sure you did know, hey, Bill's going to get here. He's going to see these guys. He's going to yeah. know he's going to find out about these guys that they're different. So knowing just what you've seen around the Cowboys organization, knowing Mike Zimmer the way you do, what are the guys on this defense right now that you think when Zimmer gets here, he's going to say, hey, that's one of my guys that those are the type of guys that I love to coach because I, I just look at a guy like the competitive spirit, the toughness, the length, everything else. I feel like he's really going to enjoy Trayvon Diggs. I think he's going to absolutely enjoy Diggs. And you know what? Diggs is good. Diggs will be fine. You know why? Because Diggs played for Nick Saban at Alabama. Diggs loves it. Diggs loves it. Diggs, Diggs loves, loves the, the. Diggs loves to compete. Mm-hmm. I think Deron Bland is going to benefit from this. Yeah, I really, really do. You know, um, I'll be interested to see what happens with Mozzie Smith. You know, I'll be really because. You know, we got to figure that plan out. We got to figure out where's Mozzie Smith going to. You just can't draft a guy in the first round and be it late in the first round, you know, probably second round grades. Yeah. But you can't draft a guy like that and just and just put him in the trash can. You know, they've got to find a way to get him going or, or, or at least in a direction that they have a plan for him. But so, I, I, you know, I think that guys, I think the secondary guys are going to love playing for Zip. I think Gilmore, if Gilmore comes back, I think he's going to love playing for Zim because he's been coached hard with Bill Belichick. Yeah. You know, he, 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 that's what he, he's familiar with that. And when we interviewed those guys, we interviewed Gilmore and we interviewed Cooks, you could tell in their face that they, you know, that they, they, they let an opportunity get away. Yeah. They really did. You know, you could tell they were, they were pained by the situation. So, I could see I could see Zim coming in and and you know a guy like Bell, you know, playing safety. Bell might not be the prototypical guy, but you know what Bell is? Bell's smart. And yeah. Mike likes really smart players, you know? So if you're a guy that's willing to tackle, gonna be tough and smart, 
you got to place on Mike Zimmer's roster. And I'll tell you, when you say toughness there, uh, assuming he's back next year, nothing changes. Uh, Donovan Wilson, I would anticipate, is a guy that he's going to enjoy yeah. coaching with, just the way that yeah. he plays with kind of a, a just a, a hitching mentality. Uh, so a lot sound, though. Got to be assignment sound. Absolutely. Absolutely. Can't be, can't be letting things go during a game. That's that's going to be a big part of it. And you mentioned Mozzie Smith there. That's a great setup for our next topic, Brian. And oh. uh, before we go on to the next topic, I'd like to remind you guys that this is the Love of the Star podcast. Uh, it is an Odyssey podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. What up, y'all? It's your boy Danny Green, three-time NBA champ. You either rooted for me or rooted against me. Join myself and my co-host Harrison Sanford on the Inside the Green Room podcast. It's a podcast that brings you never-before-told tales from the locker room to candid interviews with basketball legends to breakdowns of what's happening in the NBA right now. Whether you're a diehard fan or casual about your hoops, this podcast brings you the game like never before. Follow Inside the Green Room on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. All right, Brian. So I've been wanting to touch on this subject for a little while. You remember last year on the draft show, we did the topic of uh, draft X. And it was the question of like, what, what's the, the, the thing you, you just like is, is off putting when you see it on tape, when you see certain yeah. things. And Clappers. it was like the clapper or yeah. the, 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 uh, like, you know, I know Chris Beam over at DallasCowboys.com has always said, uh, the, 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 tape guy or the 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 like training room guy who he's got to have every wristband and every yeah. taped up thing uh zach wolchuk said he hates the guy who's the the pile on the jump on the pile at the end of a tackle to look guy, like he gets yeah. on it yeah. yeah so similarly we're going to talk about some things that maybe cowboys fans have some some ptsd about and some Ooh. things that that they need to not over you, you know they they need to to maybe get over and, and just see the player for who the player is without getting into specific players but also some things that maybe we say hey this is shown not to work out for the dallas cowboys and maybe they need to reconsider the way they approach this so when you follow mozzie smith luke yeah. schoonmaker tough rookie years for those guys you've got yeah. the taco charlton issue right. i don't know if the cowboys can pick a michigan player this year without people freaking out about it Fair or not, I don't know that they're going to be able to do that without people just losing their minds and go, no, no more Michigan players. For years, it was Penn State running backs in the NFL. No Penn State running backs. Don't ever Mississippi State defensive tackles back in the day, too. Jeff Tedford quarterbacks for years was another one. So when you look at this, Brian, what are some things that just personally you have some reservations about when you enter the draft and say, hey, I got got to look past this bias. I've got this bias here because I think Cowboys fans are going to have a bias against Michigan players this year. So what's something that you feel you need to work past and look past? And what are some things that the Cowboys actually need to say, hey, maybe we need to look at this differently. Maybe we don't take a running back in the top five. Maybe we don't do these things. What are some approaches that you think the Cowboys need to reconsider this spring? You know what? The the one that always gets me and – for years, I kind of bought into it. I kind of said, you know what? Okay, makes sense. Yeah, write it down, take the note, talk about it, at, you know, when we get on shows and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I about had enough with the Kai Hess position flex. Yeah. I've had enough of the position flex guy. You know, 
Jack of oh, all trades, Jack of all trades, could, master yeah, of could, none. He could play tackle. You know, you could put him at guard. Heck, if you had to, you could even put him at center. I don't know. No, I'm drafting this guy to play tackle. I'm drafting this guy to play guard. You know, if if he's a center, put him at center and leave him at center. Don't play him at guard. And I I get it sometimes, but it just kills me when I saw the career of uh, of of Crawford. Tyron Crawford. Mm-hmm. Excuse me just a second here. Yeah, do what you got to do. Tyron Crawford. I'm uh, struggling here with my health right now. I'm sorry. <laughs> we all are. I got the sinus yeah, infection, too. Vegas it's going around, Brian. It's going around. But Yeah, but the uh, the thing with Tyron, Tyron Crawford, you know, and I look at it and I go, damn, was he a three? Was he an end? He got paid like he was a big time three. It was a, you know, that was a, you know. It was. I think his whole career got wrecked. Injury yeah. hurt him, but they couldn't find a spot where they just wanted to leave him. You know, it just they couldn't. And I just kind of feel like there's guys. Uh, who's Bob? You're really good with names. I can't remember what I had for lunch. What's the kid's name that we drafted from Tulsa? That was the set. Reggie the Robinson. Reggie Robinson. There you go. Mm-hmm. He's a safety. He's a corner. He's a you know, and we're starting to see it now with some of the players they currently have. Yeah. You know, they're trying to figure out McQuamu. What what is he? You know? Instead of just going ahead and playing a kid as a spot and letting him grow, letting him be that guy, you know? That bothers me. I when you when someone says, Well, he's gonna position flex, I immediately say, I don't want the guy. Yeah. I I'm really don't. done. You know, and, and, and there's like there's plenty of guys in this draft that do like Barton, the kid at Duke, yeah, the tackle. He can play guard. We can project him at center. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's some guys that kind of you know they, they they've got that uh, they've got that ability to to kind of to to bounce around if they have to. You know, uh, there's a kid, uh, Brandon Dorless. Mm-hmm. He's a at Oregon. He he can he can play edge. He can play one. He can play three. He's a really good player, and people will say, "Well, he's got position flex." I'm like, "Where, where do you want to put him? Put him yeah. someplace and let him play." Yeah, because too many times the position flex guy gets worked, and now he's got no spot because they never allowed him to develop into anything. He was always having to play two or three different spots, and it and it and it hurt his development. And he and then he after three years, uh, when we get to the final cut. He's one of the one of the guys that's on the list. I'll tell you the one for me, uh, and, and I think you you have a good answer. the 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 position flex guy has been a problem for them in the past. Like, like I've always said, I don't know that Jalen Ramsey becomes Jalen Ramsey here. It, they whenever, thought he was a safety, Bobby. They, they thought he was a safety. I don't they know that he was a safety. They, they had so much trouble figuring out Byron Jones for so long. You mentioned yes. Reggie Robinson. Yes, they're they're right now yes. trying to figure out: Are we gonna are we gonna keep Tyler Smith at guard? Are we gonna do tackle? What are, what, yes. are, what do we want to do here? There, there's yes. always these sorts of questions. So I think that's a good answer. I'll tell you the one, and it's it's one that I've just I've determined don't do it anymore. I I, I I'd rather you not, and I understand why they do it, why they look at the value. I'm tired of the blue star special. I'm tired of the I'm tired of the second round injury second round or character pick the the injury or character concern guy that they go ah let's take the risk here talented yeah. player I think way too frequently lately this has burned you and, and the return has has not been great um, and so so I I think the blue star special is the one that I'm tired of I I I don't think 
when we talk about the Penn State running back, when we talk about Michigan players and stuff like that for Cowboys and and the Jeff Tedford quarterbacks and stuff like that, I don't know that I I subscribe to some of those sorts of things as as being real. I, I definitely understand the idea of a certain coaching and a certain scheme producing certain quarterbacks would have you giving some pause. So I understand the Tedford quarterbacks, but I mean, Aaron Rodgers came from Jeff Tedford. Um, and so, but the one that I'll say in regards to the Michigan subject, Brian, have you noticed that over the course of the last decade, most Michigan players that come out are slow off the ball, no matter how good of athletes they are, they're slow off the ball. So I don't, I do have some pause about Michigan defensive linemen. I'm going to have to stop and take a look. Cause I think yeah. if you look at the get out, watch Chris Jenkins from Michigan yet. Uh, yes, I have. Yeah. See, that's what I'm saying. And and matter of fact, Botch Lombardi and I were talking about defensive tackles. And he asked me the question. He goes, he goes, you know what's funny, Broadus? He goes, I now understand what Mozzie Smith is going through. I yeah. understand how they play a certain technique. And maybe, maybe Chris Jenkins does have to adjust. Maybe he adjusts. But Mozzie hasn't adjusted yet. Taco never the, adjusted. Taco was always the Taco last never off the adjusted ball. Either, and that's what I'm saying. These kids play so many snaps at Michigan, and you know, they play in huge games, but they're taught a certain way. And yeah. you can, like Chris Jenkins, you could see where he's a tick late off the ball. And you know, you're like, well, you know, but there's, but he has some quickness, but oh, he's a little bit late here. You know, he gets blocked and. So you, you understand when you watch, there's certain players that play in schemes that you, you don't know if you could coach them out of that the way that they're playing. Yeah. I, I mean, I think, I think that right even because, uh, I mean, like we said, Taco, uh, Mozzie, slow off the ball generally. Even sure. a guy like Rashawn Gary, who was a freak athlete. Rashawn yeah. Gary was not always his not snap always anticipation wasn't great. I, I can't remember. I see Hutchinson, Hutchinson might have been the quickest one. Yes. Hutchinson was so fundamentally Hutchinson sound. Was different. Though. Hutchinson was different in the way he played on the edge. Remember, was there uh, Uncle Walmart? I, I, I want to. I want to say Quiddy Pay was slow off the snap Quiddy too. Pay, yeah, yeah. He he yeah. was a good athlete, but he was he was not always quick at the snap. And so I I, I don't know. There, there's just whenever I see that, I'm like, hey, I, I think that there there needs to be maybe some pause with however they're being coached over there. However things yeah. are, you're you're gonna have to ask if they can break that. But the, that, that's just kind of the the way I look. So you you're saying you Okawamu? Who was who was the kid from Michigan the the edge that played opposite Hutchinson? Yeah, with an O. Oh, um, gosh, uh, Ojabo, David Ojabo. David Ojabo. I said Okawamu. It's Ojabo. Yeah. Yeah, you're, you're thinking of Boneo Okoronkwa from Oklahoma from years ago. Yes, that I was thinking of an O name, but I, I knew <laughs> I knew it began with an O, and I knew you would remember it. Yeah, yeah David Ojabo was the one who, Ojabo, who was there. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, there so uh, those are those are some of our our, our, our draft PTSDs. Maybe they're <laughs> they're genuine, maybe they're not. But that's the one that I'm going to have a hard time overcoming this year. Brian is the Blue Star yeah. special for you. It's position flex. Could you imagine if they take an injury prone character concern guy in the second round who has uh, position flex? Well, we we the, might as well the, just end that. You know, the, the thing about it is, and we'll bring it up in the draft if it happens. But there's some of these linebackers that are banged up. You oh, know? yes. You're your favorite from North Carolina State. You're NC State yeah. linebacker, man. Yeah. my my he, he is a hell of a player, man. I mean, and I've seen people. It's funny because always funny the mock drafts. Yeah. Always have him like in the third round. And I'm like, God, he's not a third round player. <laughs> I mean, he's so much better than that. But, yeah, you know, you got to wonder about the funny. injuries. Man. Yeah, Peyton Wilson is from North Carolina State. He's had this multiple injuries, but you watch, he makes every damn tackle. So now 
you know, the Cowboys, do you draft a guy that all of a sudden can only play five to seven years, you know, because the injuries start to catch up with him? Yeah. Seems like it's happened with Bruce Carter, uh, Sean Lee, Sean Lee, Leighton Vanderesh, Smith, you know, yeah, Leighton yeah. Vanderesh. Just seems like they've drafted these guys and they're good players, but then injuries just catch up with them. You are listening to the Love the Star podcast, the Love the Stars and Odyssey podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Brian, it is now time for our Dean Julia Love the Star mailbag. It's where we turn things over to our dear, sweet listeners for their thoughts, their comments, their questions. First one here from Jim Loughborough. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. That is a very long last name, Jim. Who is the most important re-signing on offense and defense? So I'll give you the unrestricted free agents really quickly, Brian. On offense, there's three of them. It's Tyra, it's Tyron Smith, Tyler Biotish, and Tony Pollard. We, we feel like that's probably Tyron, Tyron based off how they yeah. played last year. Tyron Smith. Pretty easy. Tyron okay. Smith and give me Tyron Smith back for one year, $12 million, and let me draft a center. And I'll go now, to battle. Now we go to the defensive side of the ball. Neville Gallimore, Jonathan Hankins. Dante Fowler, Dorrance Armstrong. Those are your defensive linemen. Uh, and then in the secondary, you have Noah Igbenogany, Jordan Lewis, J. Ron Curse, and then Stefan Gilmore. So we look at this Gilmore, and we say I think Gilmore's important there. Tyron and Gilmore. And and yeah. I think they I think they would want Gilmore back at, at, at the right price. And I think Zimmer would love coaching him, like you mentioned earlier. Yeah. He he's he's a he's a pro. That guy is a pro. Now, again, he's not as quick and fast as he once was. But man, the way he, you know, he's smart, football IQ, you know, he cares about the game. You can tell he cares. Yes. You know? So I, I give him a lot of credit. He could have just kind of, eh, whatever, I'm, I'm going to move on. But he really wants to come back. He really, he really liked being here. So we'll see, you know, maybe they can, maybe they can work it out with him and Tyron Smith. Um, I could see Dorrance Armstrong leaving and stuff like that. To be honest with you, I'd rather have Fowler than I would Armstrong. I, I really like Fowler. I, I think Fowler's yeah, I mean, a great I situational just, I, pass rusher. Yeah, I don't think they bring him back. But you, well, and you know what? What, it, what? Who has Dante Fowler historically followed his entire career is Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn. And yeah, so we're going to be playing against him twice a year, probably. Oh, once on Thanksgiving and the other at the end of December, right? If if you could give me odds on on uh, Dante Fowler to the Washington Commanders, I would I would probably take those odds. Cash that uh, next question here, and we briefly touched on it earlier, but I just wanted to circle back on it because I did have it saved as one of the questions here from Bobby Aguilar, and he's asking Cowboys interest level in Steve Wilkes. But you're saying that's not a name that you've heard at all. I haven't, I haven't heard any. We, we think Zimmer heard. wants. We think Zimmer generally wants to kind of have oversight there, and I would imagine Steve yeah. Wilkes would have his own ideas. Yeah, I think I think so too i mean it would be nice to have him uh i just haven't i haven't heard anybody whisper in that one uh this is a really interesting out of the box question i thought from de la cruz so i wanted to to have you answer this brian especially because you get a lot of just different questions dropped in your mentions consistently he said what would you say fans focus on the most that has no bearing on wins and losses. So, so from a team building perspective or from a game day execution, what do you think that fans have a, a, a certain particular interest in that you would say at the end of the day, I don't think that that actually matters in the win loss column as much as you may think it does. I think it's the referees. Am I wrong? No, I don't think so. I think that obviously when the margins are thin, a we late really call can have you go sideways. focused on Michael yeah. Parsons getting held every play, right? That, that yes. became, see, when you, when you, and this is no slam at fans, you know, and, and 
a lot of fans educate themselves. A lot of fans buy the NFL package and the NFL.com and look at the all 22 and yep. they kind of get their own ideas. And, and I appreciate those fans. I appreciate all fans. I just, some of them take it to a whole nother level, but I think fans, the lazy take to me is always pointing the fingers at the officials. Do they do a poor job at times? Yes. Do they do a good job at times? Yes, they do. You know, I mean, we saw a Super Bowl that I thought was very well officiated the other day. Yeah. You know, and so to me, I'm okay with, you know, sometimes how it goes, but I think we make way, way too much. And I know I talk about the officials and the calls they make every week. I know I, I do it from uh, a standpoint of just letting them know, hey, these are some calls that might be sure. called in the game, you know, but I do think that we, we get on that box where we just kind of say, that's the officials, you know, it's official. you know, no, your team played bad today. No, your coaches didn't have it today. You know, now your quarterback was off. No, your receivers were off. No, your all pro, you know, rush it linebacker. Was, yeah. He was off today. You know, we're afraid to, we're afraid to admit or afraid to point the finger at something that could actually be the case. Players, coaches, you know, situations, way you handle situations. It's really easy to blame the officials because that's not as a fan you're you're not blaming the team and a lot of fans have hard time blaming the team they really really do now I think it's starting to flip a little bit though Bob I think it's starting to flip a yeah. little bit yeah and, I don't disagree I, you know what's interesting I would say the officials is a great call the one that came to mind for me was I think too often, and we've certainly talked about this before as a genuine question at, at certain instances, but I think how frequently fans will bring up effort or like they yeah. didn't want it or something like that. A lot yeah. of times it's like, no, guys, they just got beat. They got handled. They, yeah. I, it's not that they didn't care or well, they see, didn't trust. That, that goes back to the not wanting to criticize. You know, you just could say effort, you know, and you used to say the team effort, you know, and no, that you do. You're right. There's times where they just physically get beat. They don't cover. They don't tackle. They don't complete passes. They don't catch the ball. They don't hit the hole. You know, it's it's easy to to kind of you can like I say effort referees. You can just throw a blanket over that, and you're just sure. kind of like covering a lot of things. Yeah, absolutely. And and I I think that from a I also think that it's far too easy to look back at you know first half things that occur yeah. or, or individual plays in the first half. It's like, man, so much football happens after that. And there's so much, it's a, it's such a butterfly question that I think we go, man, if it wasn't for that fumble in the second quarter, we win that game. It's like, right. well, yeah, I think that so much happens in between there. It's, it's hard to pin things on just one play because of, of how intricate everything is. But I think that's a really great question uh, from yeah, De La Cruz question. there yeah. and an interesting one. Uh, all right. We'll, we'll close the, with this question here, Brian, um, since we've been talking about coaching staff, it's mainly been on the defense side. Any talk or speculation of Mike Solari retiring or being replaced? I know y'all had mentioned something about James Campen potentially being a candidate. That's from Derek. Um, I have not heard anything on that. And and I, I don't think whether, whether the results were, were, were great or not. I know that there are a lot of people within the Cowboys, not just McCarthy, not just Schottenheimer. I know there's a lot of people within the building who think Mike Solari does a good job. And who think that he he has done a specifically I've heard several people yeah. I know you hate position flex, Brian, but sure. I know there are several people who have who have praised the way that he goes about cross training. 
that, yeah. that his cross training sure. is different from their experience in the past sure. with other offensive line coaches. So yeah. I, I don't know that they'd be so quick to do that. And also, I think they feel like they've already got sort of an assistant offensive line coach yeah. there, two of them in, in Blasco and then Lunda Wells, who, who yeah. they think highly of. And so I, I think Wells that they feel like got the, Lunda Wells yeah. could have got the offensive line coaching job with the commanders. Yeah. That was blocked. The building, there's people in the building. will tell you that Lunda Wells might be a better offensive line coach than he is a tight ends coach. Yeah. And, and I mean, I, I think he's a fantastic tight ends coach. And so, yeah. I mean, that that's you've got kind of a three headed monster there with, with Lunda yeah. Wells and Blasco and Solari that I think they feel like they're generally pretty covered. But it's at least a, an interesting question to ask. All right. That does it for us here today on the Love of the Star podcast. Thank you so much once again for joining us. Uh, you know, Brian, uh, we, we've got one episode coming next week. We're about to finish up, record that one. Uh, but hopefully no no major news breaks over the next weekend. Hopefully, hopefully we don't you know have Steve Wilkes come in here yeah, or, or, or James Campen. We can't handle that, you guys. We, we, we've got to give Brian a breather and a break before he's off to surprise Arizona for Ranger Spring Training, before that? I'm off to Indy for Combine. There's, there there's go. a lot going on here. You want to flip spots? Uh, why don't you just why don't you just come with me? We'll, we won't I tell could. anybody. We God, won't tell anybody, Brian. You don't uh, know how much I love the Combine. I, you know what I think I'm going to do, too? It, it's going to be it'd be your favorite. I don't think I'm doing the plane. I think I'm doing the, the road trip to Indy. I think I'm See, doing I the car do ride. A heartbeat. I know. We, it's 11 hours. It's 12. 11. I looked it up. 12? Yeah, 12 from where I'm at. So, I but we're driving the Indy 500. I know the I, route. I, I I can't wait. I can't wait to get out there to Indy. I can't wait to hear all these yeah. updates. And we'll have those updates for you guys when we return. Uh, but for Brian Broaddus, I'm Bobby Belt. Thank you so much for joining us.